and blow the shell, Kimo. Come on. Coming to you live from a little grass shack in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, it's the Junior Kikuwama Jr. Show starring Junior Kikuwama Jr. Welcome to the podcast of Junior K. Go Virginia. Well, you know, we, we've got to start every show with gratitude. And, and that's the attitude right there. Gratitude, boo. Yeah, because, you, you know, before, right, we took everything for granted. And then what happened? <laughs> okay, stops, bro. Okay, so we got to say mahalo. Thank you very much uh, to the people of the following countries. Yeah, we get countries, boo. See, in the beginning, right, here's what I thought. Because I come out of the radio kind of stuff, right? You know, us guys, we used to doing radio. You know, we're not, we're not used to this kind of digital kind of stuff. And pretty soon, right, we was doing radio. Pretty soon we was on the website. So people around the world started hearing us, right? And then, you know, Augie T said, Bah, when are we doing podcasts? And I'm like, podcasts? What are we going to do podcasts for? Okay, so I thought, right, the guys that listen to me on the radio could jump on a podcast. Okay, wrong. Okay, that's not what happened. What happened was <laughs> this is a whole whole bunch of new people from around the world started listening, and and they started emailing me and messaging me mostly on on Instagram uh, message. So we want to say how's it how's it to those guys, and uh, we'd like to say mahalo to uh, Ireland, to the Netherlands, the United Kingdom. Oh, bro, we we gotta say uh, mahalo to Ghana. Okay, you know Ghana, like in Africa, Ghana. You know where Jim Jones and OD everybody like yeah, over there. I, I know you guys, the old timers. You guys, huh? <laughs> hey, how do you know? How do you remember that? And uh, Israel, Germany, Austria, and Belgium. So we'd like to say uh, thank you very much for tuning in. Now, seventy-seven percent of our audience is from Apple Podcasts. Uh, the rest is Anchor, Spotify, Google. Uh, the, the list goes on. So I want to say mahalo to you guys. And our age demographic, by <laughs> same as the radio, bro. So it's uh, it's actually thirty five to fifty nine is the bulk, right? But then there's a there's a huge number of twenty three to twenty seven year olds. So we like to say how's it to uh, to you twenty three to twenty seven year olds. I don't know if it's it's not the X's, right? I don't I don't know if it's I I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know how to break all that down, the millennials and the Generation Xers and all that. Yeah, but we just like to say thank you. Mahalo for joining the podcast. So today on the podcast, bro, because, you know, these guys, they was telling me, bro, you got to tell some of the old stories that, that you used to tell. You got to tell more stuff about your life that you did and, you know, the experiences and how the law of attraction would work. So, because this this channel is about law of attraction, right? So, so I'm like, yeah, okay, okay, I'll go, I'll go tell you. So, today's story, I'm going to tell you guys how I became James Earl Jones for two weeks, okay? For two weeks and how I tried, you see, there's so many times in my life, right, where I, where I go, okay, this is this is the thing right here, this is it right here. So, I'm going to put my chips on this and I'm going to spin the wheel, but we're going to do this, right? 
And then, and then I thought, wow, this could lead to something. Okay. When actuality, when I look back at my life, right, it's not about that one thing that happens that, you know, that, that's, that's all fairy tale kind of stuff, right? But what it is, is, you know, like I took this, I took this long way around to get to, to my entertainment, right? And in the process, bro, I did some pretty fun stuff. I mean, it was kind of amazing kind of trips I did, right? So, so I got to become Earl, James Earl Jones for, for two weeks. And here's what happened. Okay, so I was working at this radio station. <coughs> we don't, <coughs> we don't like mention names or, or, you know, whatever. We don't like mention names because a lot of these guys, bro, <laughs> never, never mind. We don't even, bro, we don't even like say, you know what I'm saying? Okay, so. Uh, anyway, I was working at this station. I was doing, I was doing production. So I was producing commercials for TV and radio, audio, audio commercials. So I was doing that, right? And, and that's what I was doing it for three radio stations and, and occasionally whatever TV stations requested stuff and, you know, whatever like that. So I was doing these voices. So these guys knew that I could do all these voices, right? So I could do high voice. I could do low voice. I could do medium voice, right? So this one lady who was a, she 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 wasn't a part of the clique, see? So the so the the thing you gotta know about the clique is that these guys at the radio station, right, would would uh I don't I don't know how to put this. They would turn other people against me, right? But then they would make like they was all for me kind of thing, right? And they they would do this, okay? And I don't know if this happens in your workplace. From what I hear from people, this happens all over the place, right? But my experience is just mine, right? It's just my experience. So anyway, but but this lady was a was a casting director, and she wasn't affected by all the negative bull crap that these guys was was doing, uh, you know, uh, with me, right? With my name or whatever reputation, what whatever, and so. So, uh, so, cause these guys would make me any kind in the office. They would make me any kind, you know, and pretty soon I couldn't take it. I just, I resigned. I, you know, after a few years, I just resigned. I'm like, these guys, they, they were suffering from clan mentality, right? And they had their own clan, their own clique, right? And I went from that clique to another clique in another radio station. And that was even worse, but, but yeah, well, no, it wasn't actually worse, but different kind, you know, different, small kind difference, but, but that's another podcast, Hines. so anyway, so this lady wasn't a part of the thing, and she recognized the fact that I had this low voice, right, because I can, I can do a real low voice, like, whatever, you know, I, I don't even use my low voice too much anymore, only when I'm talking with chicks, you know, hey, baby, what's up, how are you, <laughs> you know, probably, I'm making any kind, so, so anyway, so she recommends me because there was an AFTRA strike, American Federation of Radio and Television Artists. It's a it's a union, and they had a strike in the United States, and the strike lasted about three weeks. At the end of the first week, they were putting out for like, you know, who who can sound like James Earl Jones like on low voice because they they couldn't find, and I was kind of amazed that they was looking in Hawaii, you know, but they they. They, this lady got word, right? And she called me up and she said, Hey, Junior, uh, this guy is looking for, you know, one, one voice to replace James Earl Jones for the Verizon TV commercials. See, and, and right now, I cannot do them right now because, you know, I, I've been drinking coffee and stuff. My voice is a little bit dehydrated. But the, the main line, right, for, for the thing was Verizon. And he used to do this low Verizon, right? That, that thing. So, 
That's what they needed. And they needed, so, so the, it was just like a couple lines and then the Verizon at the end, right? So she said, uh, can you, can you put some stuff on a tape for us? And can you, can you read these lines? So she emailed over, over the, the thing and I looked at it and, oh, sure. So I did it. And she said, congratulations, you got the job. And this was like maybe two days later. She said, congratulations, you got the job. Now, because the union had on strike in the United States, it's against the law to produce any commercials in the United States that's not union, right? And because they had a strike. So that means that you couldn't, you couldn't get a substitute, a non-union guy, and record it inside the United States. So they had to fly me someplace else. And so that included the United States and Puerto Rico. So they decided to fly me to Tahiti. Right? <laughs> bro, this whole thing is on cartoon, bro. So they so they decided, okay, we're gonna fly brother to Tahiti. And we okay, now this was in 2002. And they decided to fly me to Tahiti. Now I had just built the singing school. In 1999, we, we, well, actually, we, we didn't, we built the school in 89, but the physical, uh, commercial space we got in 99. So 10 years later, right? So 10 years, I did them at home and everything, and we built one recording studio, did the whole nine, whatever. Now we, we just started, so we just put up the thing, and I'm like, ah, I don't like leave, cause, I got to watch the school and, and my, my best friend was blind and, you know, I couldn't leave him alone. So just so, and this is how God works, right? Hawaiians, I got to tell you, this is the law of attraction. This is God in action. So just so happens, one of my ex-chicks, one of my ex, you know, my ex-chicks, me and my ex-chicks, we're all good. I mean, you know, no more bad blood, nothing, right? And so, so, so she comes along. I don't know what happened, but how this happened, but... She started coming around and, and I, I got, she got a hold of me or something. And then we started talking story and I go, yeah, well, I get this commercial space now, blah, blah, blah. We started talking. She started coming around and, um, uh, and you know, and, and so, so that happened. And then this, this job offer happened. So I said, would you mind just kind of, you know, staying with Wayne and Miley and, you know, staying with them and then. Uh, you know, kind of take care of them for a few days. I got to go to Tahiti and I come back. She goes, oh, yeah, no problem, no problem. So so she did. So, you know, I, I stocked the house with food, everything, like everything. Just went down Costco, everything, everything to the hill, right? So everybody had enough to eat for like two months, I think. And so so anyway, off I go to Tahiti. Now, here's some backstory, right? When I was a kid, we went to Tahiti. I mean, you know, we, we traveled around the world kind of thing. We, we kind of went around. And so I, you know, I even post pictures sometimes on my Facebook from the Tahiti days, you know. And this is, this is like when Tahiti was Tahiti, like before all the development and all that. And, and so what, what happened was, right? When we got to Tahiti, all the Tahitians came and, oh, there was partying. Like I was young. I was like, I was six, seven years old, I think. Somewhere around there, right? And and so so the the Tahiti I saw was different. I mean, all these people, right? And you know, and they was partying and we would drink. Well, not me, but you know, my parents they was drinking every night and party. They so they had all these Tahitian style luau kind of stuff. Is basically what it was. And every night, party, party, party. We stayed in Bora Bora for for I think like two months, right? And then we would go. To, to someplace else and we go to Papa Ete and then we come back Bora Bora again two more months so we spent a lot of time in Tahiti 
So my, you know, version or my remembrance of Tahiti was, was, you know, that, right? Okay. So I get on the plane. Now these guys fly me down and I upgrade first class. Okay. And so I upgraded to first class and, you know, cause I'm not going to sit in the back with the clowns and um, no, they had clowns in the back. I think they had on circus in Tahiti at the time. But anyway, so, so I'm sitting in, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm having my, I don't know, vodka tonic, whatever I had. And I, and on the way to Tahiti, I go, right. And it was very quiet. I never told nobody I was going. I just, I just went. Right. And so I left and, and, you know, I get to Tahiti, right? They put me up at this five-star hotel, uh, Le Meridian. Have you guys been to Tahiti? If you guys been, you know that Le Meridian is a five-star hotel. So I get to the five-star hotel. I check in. I'm <clears throat> like, wow, this guy's got me on suite, right? Now, it's only me. You know, at this point, I'm kind of thinking like, wow, I should have brought on Chico with me, right? Because <laughs> this is really nice stuff. I mean, nice digs. Bro, they had they had everything in a room. Like they had the ice box was stocked with wine and soda and beer and bro, everything, right? And then they had snacks and they had chips. I mean, bro, they everything you could think of. And this was like, you know, cause this is like on rich man's kind of suite, and they gave them to me, right? Because I was doing this job, right? So they first class. So Verizon was paying the tab. <laughs> Verizon was paying for everything. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, I turn on the TV and I'm watching CNN. Now, CNN International is very different from the CNN they feeding everybody over here. So the, so the first thing I notice is, wow, the news is different, right? So the news is different. The propaganda was different, everything, right? So I, I'm kind of, you know, looking at this stuff. I go, wow, this is interesting. Now, when I was a kid, the chicks, right, the Tahitian chicks, was walking on a beach topless, right? So I am thinking they still do that. I mean, it's a French Republic and you know, uh, French people are very liberal and they, you know. So so anyway, so I'm thinking, wow, I'm gonna see what I saw when I was a kid, okay? So so I, I turn off the TV, right? I, I put on my, my my swim shots, everything, right? I just go check it out, right? I figure I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk down the beach and I'm gonna find one Tahitian chick and you know, I'll go pick her up and I'll go bring her up to the hotel and, and we're gonna we're gonna enjoy this five star <laughs> five star life, right? And then so so I go down, you know, and, and I go grab one beer at the bar and, and I go out to the beach, right? At first I look at the swimming pool. I look around the swimming pool and there's a bunch of eighty year old French women, okay? And and it bro <laughs> I'm looking at these and they they sunbathing topless Right on on a the kind right on a deck like the swimming pool deck right, and these chicks had nipples the size of quarters hanging by the pico right. I'm like brah. I'm like okay. So I'm I'm full, at this point I'm full of discussion already, and I'm like okay, but we don't find nobody over at the pool. Right? And so I so I head to the beach. I look down the beach, but there is nobody at the beach. And the cabanas that they got, right, go out over the water. You guys seen the pictures and everything, right? So they're on stilts in the water and you got to walk out on the walkway and, you know, get the, you know, the wooden walkway, right? And you walk to the cabanas and all of that. And so I'm looking around and there's no, there's no chicks. Okay, so the only chicks at this hotel and on the beach are in the 80s. Okay, so, so. Right, right there, I, I just, I throw up the white flag. All right, I surrender already. Okay, pal, never mind. 
I go back to the room. I'm enjoying, you know, all this stuff, the, the caviar, I don't know, they had beluga eggs, whatever, whatever all this stuff. Right? I'm ordering room service, I'm eating steak, I'm, I mean, you know, they're pouring wine on them, they're setting them on fire in front of me. And it, it, I mean, bro, this is, this is crazy kind of stuff. So I, and I'm sitting there and I'm going, wow, I really should be enjoying this with somebody. So went down to the bar, right? All these, ch- then I saw some, I saw some younger chicks at the bar, especially this bartender. Right, and this bartender was cute. The only problem is <laughs> she spoke only French, right? And my French is kind of like three generations twice removed in the back room under the pune, bro. No, I'm part French, right? My, my grandfather was Portuguese French, so I'm like, hey, we get something in common, right? Until she opened her mouth, and then I'm like, uh, do, you, do you speak English? And then she starts shaking her head. But when she started shaking her head, I started shaking my head, and I'm going, okay, here we go, right? So, so, you know, I don't have time to learn French. I'm here for four days, right? Four days, they say. So this is the first day. So the second day, the, the vice president of Verizon, the vice president of marketing of Verizon, who was an African-American woman, and two other holy girls that she had, right? These these two white girls that they were her assistants, right? They show up. Oh well, we'd like to uh, we'd like to welcome you to uh, Tahiti, and uh, we have the recording studio set up. And you know, and by now this is the second day, and I'm already I'm already pissed off because no more chicks, no more company, no more nothing, just me in a hotel room, and I'm on the phone calling home, right? Telling, telling, telling everybody at home, this place sucks. This is not the Tahiti I remember, right? Okay, and I'm gonna tell you guys why, but I'm gonna tell you guys later. So they come, they they introduce themselves, everything. They go, uh, so how how would you like to do this? We can we can do one hour at the studio tomorrow, and then we could do two hours the next day. I said, you know what? Just book the whole thing one time. I'll just whack it out, and, and pow, we're done. And, and I'll fly back one day early. How's that? Because, cause, bro, I had it already with this Tahiti thing, right? Now, I don't know when the last time you guys, if, if any of you guys been to Tahiti and when's the last time. But in 2002, when you went to Tahiti, it looked like our old Chinatown here in Honolulu. So it was grimy. There was soot on the on the walls. I mean, it, everything is old because the French people don't put any. The French government puts nothing into Tahiti. Tahiti was just rotting away, and it was dirty. The, the The whole town was dirty. And the only thing really that that I brought home from Tahiti was a Tahitian ukulele, and it was the only one that was hand carved in the whole store. Uh, and I looked I looked for like maybe two or three stores, right? And it's the only one I found that was really nice and detailed and I still have you know, still have it and stuff. And so that's the only thing I brought back from Tahiti, along with bad memories. Okay. So I take my guitar the second night. So these guys are gonna arrange the studio and everything for for the third day, right? And I told them just just book everything. And it would I just do it all at once and they and they're like, really? And I'm like you know, I'm thinking to myself, well, I don't know the kind of prima donnas you guys work with, but back at the radio station I work at, I do 14 commercials a day. I mean, they, this these four spots are going to be minor, you know what I mean? So I, I guess they got a bunch of, I don't know, prima donnas working for them in New York, right? Because they're from New York. So anyway, they, they booked the thing all, all at 
you know, for one day to the next day. So that night, right? So it's the night before I go to the studio. I take my guitar, because I took my guitar, because when I was a kid, everybody was playing music, everybody was happy in Tahiti, right? Well, I took my guitar and I said, okay, now I'm going to go look for a bar, right? With real Tahitians inside, <laughs> you know, Tahitians that are playing music, <clears throat> so I can play some Tahitian songs. So I, I walk downtown Papayete, right? And I'm looking in these bars. Bro, these bars are worse than downtown Honolulu in the old days. The, you know, so I'm talking like early 80s downtown Honolulu. Right. And these guys, it looks like you walk into, you know how you walk into Smith's Union Bar around 11 o'clock in the morning and everybody just kind of hung over and they kind of, kind of hunched over their beer kind of thing. Bro, that's how everybody was. They look depressed. Right. And I'm going from bar to bar and the only thing that's on is, is the, the jukebox. That's it. That's all that was, you know, no live music, nothing. So I, and I'm going through the whole town. Okay, finally, I gave up. I'm like, all right, never mind. I walked down. I, I, you know, I just walked maybe about a mile, and I got to a carnival. They had, they was having one carnival, and I walked through the carnival, and I had my guitar strapped on my back, like you know, like on backpack, because that's that's how the guitar case is, right? And I'm walking through the, and people are looking at me like I'm from outer space, I guess, because I was, you know, I was, I was carrying a guitar, right? And and because I didn't look brown, well, as brown as the Taishians, right? So, and then walking to the, and everybody's looking at me, you know. So, and I don't give a rip, you know what I'm saying? So I just go, right? Pretty soon, I call, I, I get to the hotel, this other hotel, and I call the the taxi guy, right? And it was twenty American dollars to go to Papa Eti. Now this guy is charging me forty dollars to go back to the hotel, and I'm like, okay, here we go, foreign country. I get it. All right, pay him the forty bucks, right? And he starts taking me back to the hotel. Now I'm looking at his speedometer because I noticed that this is a small Toyota can car, right? And I'm noticing that that the car is he's driving pretty fast. So I'm looking at you know how how fast he's driving. And I look at how fast he's driving, and the thing is over 100, right? And I'm like, at first, I was like, what? Over 100? Okay, it took me about 10 minutes to realize that, well, uh, we're looking at kilometers, not miles per hour, right? So I'm like, okay, okay. So, bro, one thing after the other kept happening, right? I got back to the hotel. And, you know, now I'm happy to get back to the five-star hotel because I've already been through the carnival. I've been through the depression of Papayete Town. Right? I've been through all of that. And now I'm happy. I'm happy to get back to my room, you know, five-star everything, and I turn on CNN, and, you know. And and, uh, and and I'm eating snacks and, I don't know, you know, whatever I was putting on my crackers. And then so at this point, I'm happy. I'm grateful. I'm like, okay, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all this. And... And, you know, because I saw the other side, right? You know, and and then and I was wondering, like, what the hell is going on? And so I talked to the the guy at the front desk, and he told me, he said, "Well, you know what?" He goes, it, "People, people in Tahiti, they don't really like the Americans nowadays. You know, they, they're not really into the the Americans. You know, whatever." Long story short, he invites me to his house, right? The next night. Okay, and we have one real good old-fashioned Tahitian time. Moral of the story and what I found out, right, was that before, in the old days when I went to Tahiti, 
everybody was rolling out the red carpet because my father had money, right? And, you know, and, and we were wealthy, right? So there was, there was catering to us, right? And now, when I went by myself, like, everybody was singing one different song. So, so I was like, oh, that's what happened. That's why, right? Okay, so that wasn't, that wasn't even the last funny part, Hawaiians. So the last funny part, so this, you know, this law of attraction thing, right? And, and this law of attraction thing, so I was on a, I was on a negative road because I was disgusted, right? So the last negative thing that happened, although the party was, that was very positive, they drove me down to the airport at 11.30, I got on a plane. When I got to the airport, I upgraded to first class, okay? Now, I should have, I should have gone in the back in coach, you know? But no, I went upgrade in first class. Coming home, the plane was dark. There was no movie. There was no, bro, there was no alcohol. There was no snacks. There was, bro, it was not, it was just on big seat in the dark, flying back to Honolulu from, from Papayete. So that's not a thing, right? I came back and, and, and the only, the only thing that was really, really positive about this whole thing, Hoynes, was I was watching TV. Oh, and I got to tell you, before I left, I went up to go look for the vice president to network to get, you know, jobs. Maybe I can fly up mainland or whatever. They was gone. They they, they showed up in the swimsuits at the recording studio. After that, they, they went back to the room and they was out of there before I could even come up and get their cards. Because I asked them, I said, can I have your car? Oh, yeah, it's up in the hotel room. We'll, we'll get it when we go back. But they made sure they was out of there. Because it was union, right? So what we were doing was illegal. It was doing it out of the country, blah, 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 right? The only good part that happened, Hawaiians, was that when I was watching TV for the next two weeks, right? I would hear me as James Earl Jones, right? Going, Verizon. <laughs> ah, my freaking life, bro. I tell you. Ah, man. Hey, so we want to thank our sponsors, Island Club is my voice master, family of service companies, and AFM Hawaii Music, featuring the music of Darren Chinin. Check them out on iTunes, bro. Oh, man, that kind of stuff I did in my life, Hawaiians. I thought, bro, that was going to be the connection right there. We're going to New York. We're going to be on Network the Gang. Uh, no. <laughs> Good fun, bud. I was James Earl Jones for two weeks, yeah. Yep, the guys at the radio station, but it was all Jay because they knew it was me. Ah, boy. Hey, until next time, Hawaiians, I'm Junior Keiko Eva Junior. Mahalo and ah!